Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Good morning, P-Vine. Thank you for being here. If you're in the room or watching online or at one of our campuses, I want to say good morning. What a joy it is to be here. Are you glad to be here today? Awesome. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you got to see me this morning. Why don't you tell them that? Hey, what a joy to be here. As Pastor Joel has already said, my name is Shane. And, uh, you know, every week I am uh, traveling across the nation, speaking at churches and conferences and One thing I've come to learn is that a good pastor is a gift from our great God, and the Lord has blessed this church with my good friend and a good pastor, a great pastor, and Pastor Joel. Can we just give the Lord a hand for Joel Southern and all the campus pastors, all the staff here? God has been so good to this church, and what God has done through this church uh, through the years has been absolutely amazing. So what a joy it is to be here and to worship Jesus with you. Now listen, I didn't grow up in church. Um, in fact, I didn't become a follower of Jesus till I was 21. I always say the first 21 years of my life, I was building my testimony. You know what I mean? So I remember vividly of what it was like to live without Jesus. It's much better with Jesus. Would you agree with that? So I get excited about the Lord. I get a little passionate. So I want you to know I'm one of those preachers. I welcome amens. I welcome praise the Lord's. I welcome hallelujahs. In fact, I'm going to make a deal with you this morning, church. For every amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I hear, I'm going to take 30 seconds off the sermon. How about that? Amen. amen. All right, there you go. If you have your copy of God's Word, and I hope that you do, will you turn to Acts chapter 1? Acts chapter 1 is right before Acts chapter 2. Does that help anybody? If you're in the sermon titles, the title of today's sermon is, Now is the Time. Now is the Time. How many of you agree our nation desperately needs revival and a movement of God? Would you agree with that? But listen, friends, our nation will never experience revival until the churches in our nation experience revival. And our churches will never experience revival until the individuals who make up the church experience revival. See, revival always comes from God, but it comes through his people. And revival is the church of God getting serious about the calling of God on their life and doing it with urgency. And so I want you to see today in Acts chapter 1 where Luke gives us a reminder of what is our purpose as the people of God. And there's three things that we must do with urgency. In Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 3, uh, Luke says this. He says, after he, and that's Jesus, has suffered, he also presented himself alive. If you have a pen or a pencil, highlighter, lipstick, eyeliner, whatever you got, I want you to underline that word alive in the Bible. He presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Number one, would you write this down? Now is the time for the gospel. Now is the time for the gospel. How many of you are so thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life? Yeah, we are all sinners in need of a Savior. There was no, no one of us that were just almost saved. No, we were all fully sinners who needed 
a Savior. We were all born sinners separated from God. We were all born spiritually dead because of sin. We've all done things we're not proud of. We've all made mistakes. There's no holier than thou's in here. In fact, if you're uh, in the room where I can see you, if you're watching online at one of our campuses, I want you to do this too. I'm going to raise my hand. How many of you want to admit this morning? You'll just be honest before the Lord. How many of you admit this morning? And you'd go, hey, Shane, there's something wrong with me. Anybody want to admit that? You know what that is? That's sin. How many of you are sitting next to someone and there's definitely something wrong with that person? <laughs> it's sin. And we all know it. We've all done things we're not proud of. Some of you are looking at me right now going, well, preacher, you don't know me. I'm a good person. Well, the Bible says you should not tell a lie. <laughs> so raise your hand if you've ever told a lie before. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying right now, sinner. There you go. We're all on the same page. You know, and some of us think, you know, well, I have always been a Christian. You know, some people think, well, I've always been a Christian because they uh, grew up in a church. Some people think they've always were a Christian because as long as they can remember, they went to a church building. Now, listen, people, these are amazing church buildings, but let me ask you this. Does sitting inside of this building make you a Christian? No, just like sitting inside of McDonald's doesn't make you a Happy Meal. We understand that. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. That's why we need the gospel. You know, some people today will go, well, you know, it's about self-help. Self-help will help us. No, no. Listen, self-help never solves spiritual problems. Only God can solve a spiritual problem. You know why self-help doesn't help? Because often the biggest problem with self is self. And if self is the problem, self can't be the solution. We need someone outside of self, and his name is Jesus. And so 2,000 years ago, the Son of God, who has always existed, took a mission trip from heaven to earth and became a man to die as a man for mankind, but he never stopped being God. Jesus, fully God, fully man, lived the perfect sin-free life that you and I could not live. Think about it. Everything he did was good and awesome. Caused the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the handicapped to get up and walk. He walked on water. He calmed the storm with his voice. He fed over 5,000 people with two fish sandwiches. Subway has nothing on that, brother. Amen? And then, according to verse 3, because he loved us so much, he took our place on the cross. We deserve to be there. But he took our place as a perfect substitute in our place, as a perfect sacrifice of our sin. And he died there. And he was buried. And three days later, according to the Bible, not by a few proofs, but by many convincing proofs, Jesus busted out of the grave. Do you believe he lives? Listen, friends, because the grave is empty, we can be full of the life of Christ. The tomb is empty. But the throne of God is full of the risen King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Jesus lives. And that is good news. It's the hope of the world. Did you realize today there's over 4,200 different world religions? Did you know that? 4,200 different world religions. Listen, friends, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not another world religion. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. In fact, when you think of world religions, let me ask you a question. Why would we ever follow, worship, or revere someone who can't do anything different than we can do all by ourselves? Why would we ever follow, worship, or revere someone who can't do anything different than we can do all by ourselves? 
Let me explain what I mean by that. Not too long ago, I read a statistic, and this statistic, it blew my mind. Can I share this statistic with you? Now, I'm going to warn you, this statistic, it's going to blow your mind. All right, get this. This statistic said this, one out of one dies. Can you believe that? So that means I can live, I can die, be buried, stay dead all by myself. So why follow or revere or worship someone who can't do anything different than I can do all by myself? Let me give you some examples. Buddha of Buddhism. He lived, he claimed to be somebody, he died, he was buried, he stayed dead. I don't know about you, I can do that all by myself. Why follow him? Why revere him? Let's take Muhammad, the central figure of Islam. He lived, he claimed to be somebody, he died, he was buried, he stayed dead. I don't know about you, I can do that all by myself. Why follow him? Why revere him? Let's take Joseph Smith on Mormonism. He lived, he claimed to be somebody, he said some angels gave him some golden tablets, he died, he was buried. I think you get the common theme, Pivine. He what? He stayed dead. I don't know about you. I can do that all by myself. Why follow him? Why revere him? But let me tell you about Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus lived. He claimed to be God. He proved time and time again he is God. He died. He was buried. And three days later, by many convincing proofs, according to Acts 1-3, he did what Buddha did not do. He did what Muhammad did not do. He did what Joseph Smith did not do. Our Jesus busted out of the grave. Now, I don't know about you. I can't do that all by myself. I think I'll worship him. I'll follow him. I'll tell the world about him. And the power of the gospel is the hope of the world. See, outside the walls of our buildings is a hopeless world, a joyless world, a world full of death and a world full of conflict. As the church, here is the gospel that we get to tell the world. Listen, a hopeless world needs hope. A joyless world needs joy. A world full of death needs life. And a world full of conflict needs peace. Here's what we know. Hope has a name. Joy has a name. Life has a name. Peace has a name. It's the name above every name. It's the name Jesus Christ. And we get to tell the world that. And maybe you're here today and you go, well, that Jesus could never want me. Yes, he does. You go, that Jesus could never forgive me. Yes, he can. You go, Shane, you don't know what I've done. You're right. I don't know what you've done. And you don't know what I've done. But I know what Jesus has done. And it's enough for you. Here's what we believe about the gospel is now is the time for you to understand the gospel and to experience the gospel and to share the gospel with others. Because here's what we believe about the gospel. No one is too lost for Jesus to find. No one is too dirty for Jesus to cleanse. No one is too broken for Jesus to fix. No one is too wounded for Jesus to heal. No one is too far gone for Jesus to reach. No one is too guilty for Jesus to forgive. And no one is too sinful for Jesus to save. That's what we believe. Now's the time for the gospel. Number two, now's the time to be the church. Listen, friends, God's plan A of reaching the world with the gospel is the church, and there's no backup plan. Jump down to Acts chapter 1-8. Acts 1-8, you've probably seen before on the the back of a missions t-shirt. But it's really the last promise Jesus gives before he ascends into heaven. Look at verse 8. It says, but you, let's make that personal. Turn to your neighbor and say that means you. Tell him that. But you will receive power. Now, I love that word power there. 
In the Greek language, which is the original language of the New Testament, the word power is the Greek word dunamis or dynamo. It's where we get the term dynamite from. Listen, friends, we don't worship some weak God. We worship an all-powerful God. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, how is that possible? Well, he gives this promise to the disciples. And then we'll see the fulfillment of this promise in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit now comes to dwell inside of believers. See, friends, here's the promise of the Bible in the New Testament. That when we realize we are sinners in need of a Savior and we repent and believe. Repent means to have a change of heart, change of mind. Where you realize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I cannot fix this. So I place my faith, my trust in the one who can, Jesus. And the moment I place my faith, my trust in Jesus, he places his Holy Spirit in me. See, the same power that ripped Jesus out of the grave comes to live inside of us. We don't worship some deity off in the distance. We worship a God who is up close and personal. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, friends, it changes everything. When the power of the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, you are forgiven of sin, past, present, future. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not the brightest crayon in the box. So I can understand being forgiven of past sins. That makes sense. But when the Bible teaches we'll be forgiven of the sins of tomorrow, that's mind-blowing because that means this. When Jesus saves us today, he's already factored in our stupidity of tomorrow. How amazing is that grace? When the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, our soul, our spirit that was born spiritually dead becomes, because of sin now becomes spiritually alive to never die again. That even when our body hits the ground, who we are goes to be with King Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Where there is no more suffering. There is no more pain. There is no more crying. How many of you are ready for that day? Yeah. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about making good people better. It's about making dead people alive. And we become the church now. See, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. The church is not buildings to be maintained. It's a people to be mobilized. You're the church. And as the church, we have a calling on our life. Look at 1.8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has become upon you. So when you receive the Holy Spirit, you become the church. And as the church, what are we to do? It says, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. As Jesus is sharing this with the disciples, they're literally in Jerusalem. So if you were to look at a map, as Jesus is saying this in order, it's very intentional. Because they were in Jerusalem, and then they worked their way out. Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So basically saying, as you get the Holy Spirit as the church, and you begin to go, you're to be the church everywhere you go. Meaning this, everywhere you go, that's where you're called to be the church. You go, well, if I'm called to be the church, then where am I to be the church? Well, first of all, your job as the church is this, to know Jesus and to make Jesus known. So you're called to ministry. Every single one of us are called to ministry. Now, you may not be called to ministry leadership like our pastors and our staff, but we're all called to the ministry to know Jesus and make Jesus known. We're all called to live on mission. In fact, we're all called to be missionaries. Did you know that? And you go, well, where's my ministry then? Where's my mission field? Where am I called to be the church? Well, I'm going to help you. 
if you're in the room with me or at one of our campuses or online, would you just put your two feet on the floor real quick? We're going to do a physical exercise together. I want you to put your two feet on the floor. I want you to look down at your two feet. All right, you see that floor between your two feet? Well, that floor or that ground between your two feet at any point of the day, that's where you're called to be the church. That's where you're called to know Jesus and make Jesus known. So if you're in school, your school is more than a place to make good grades. It's your mission field. It's where you're called to know Jesus and make Jesus known. I love seeing some young people in the room, and I know today we're honoring our graduates. And so young people, you know, you're told all the time, you're the future of the church. You're the future of the church. And I know what I mean by that, future leaders, future influencers, pastors, sure. But you need to know this, according to the New Testament, Young people, if you've been bought by the blood of Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit of God, you are not the future of the church. You are the church right now. That you have a calling on your life now. In fact, theologically speaking, the future of the church are spiritually lost people who have yet to be reached with the gospel. Because the moment they get reached with the gospel, they become the church right now too. You go, why is evangelism important? Because we need to reach the future of the church. So they can become the church right now too. Your job, how many of you have a job you have a job, and you work with people that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's where you're called to know Jesus and make Jesus known. You go, well, I don't like my job. Well, love your mission field. <laughs> How about your family? How many of you have family that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Uh, a lot of my family don't know Jesus. They think they do because they live in Texas. You know what I mean? <laughs> but they don't know Jesus. How many of you, be honest, sometimes our family is the most difficult to share the gospel with, aren't they? Because every family's got at least one weirdo in it, doesn't it? The weird cousin, the weird uncle. Right now, I want you to think of who the one weirdo is in your family. If you can't think of anybody, it's you. You're the one. <laughs> For my family, it's my Aunt Corey. She knows it. I love my Aunt Corey. But she's the one weirdo in our family, and she knows it. We give, we give her a hard time. True story. My whole life, as long as I remember, every single day, my Aunt Corey wears a turtle brooch on her back shoulder. She has hundreds of turtle brooches all in different colors they'll match her outfit and she'll play into it she'll go hey no matter how slow i go i'm always in front of my turtle it's weird (laughs) that's our ministry that's our mission field that's where god has called us your neighborhood listen you have something for this community that walmart can't provide the life-saving message of jesus christ God has placed us here. And then to the nations. We're called as the church to know Jesus and make Jesus known. Now is the time. And then number last, real quick, number last. Now's the time to go. There's got to be urgency. See, as long as there's life and breath in our lungs, we have an opportunity to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. But the moment that breath stops, it's too late. Well, friends, there's another factor that we tend to don't think about very much. And it's the return of Jesus. Jesus is coming back. And as long as he delays and tarries his coming, we have an opportunity to know Jesus. But the moment he comes back, it's too late. As the church, think about who do we need to tell about Jesus? How many of you say, Shane, there's people in my life that I love and they don't know Jesus or they're away from the Lord. And we all have those people. And we know It's our job to tell them. Now listen, friends, it's not our job to save people. We can't. But it is our job to point them to the one who can save them, Jesus. Because we can do that. 
As long as there's life and breath in our lungs, we have an opportunity to point people to Jesus. The moment our breath stops, it's too late. But there's another factor we don't consider. The second coming of Jesus. Because He is coming back. And as long as He tarries His coming, we have an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. But the moment He comes back, it's too late. I want you to look at verse 9. Now's the time to go. Verse 9, it says, After He had said these things, Jesus... He was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. I mean, imagine you're there. This is known as the ascension of Christ. This is like the ultimate kind of pep rally. And Jesus is like, listen, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to be my witnesses here, near, and far. You're going to know me and make me known. You're, you don't even understand what this term means yet, but you're going to be the church. And you're going to receive power. And I can imagine all the disciples, they're giving each other high fives. They're giving each other knuckles. They're giving each other elbows. And they're like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then it's like the ultimate mic drop moment. Because the moment Jesus says that, he just goes, zoom, like a bottle rocket. Just gone. Imagine you're one of the disciples. You're like, what just happened? He was just here. And now he's there. Peter, did you see that? Bartholomew, did you see that? Bubba, you say, I'm from Texas. There should have been a Bubba. I'm just saying. Huh? Do you see that? Their mouths are gaping open. Flies are flying in and out. How do we know that? Well, look at verse 10. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven. And suddenly two men in white clothes stood beside them. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Here's what happens. They're staring at the sky. And then angels appear, and these two angels say, hey, 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 the followers of Jesus, hey, stop staring at this guy, look at me. And then you go, hey, listen, as soon as you receive the Holy Spirit, you got to go. You got to go be the church. You got to go share the gospel. Because just like Jesus came the first time, Jesus is coming again. See, Jesus showed himself for 40 days to show he literally overcame the grave. Then he says, listen, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to be my witnesses here, near, and far. Then he ascends into heaven. And he sits down at the right hand of the Father, according to the Scriptures, as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, why did Jesus sit down? Not because he was tired. Not because he needed a coffee break. He sat down because three very important words he said on the cross. What is it, church? It is what? Finished. He made the way possible to be forgiven. He made the way possible to have eternal life. He made the way possible to live out our purpose. He made the way possible for us to be the church. But that's not the end of the story. Because one day, the trumpet's going to blast, and the angels are going to shout, and Jesus is coming back for his church. Do you believe that? People ask all the time, hey, Shane, think Jesus is about to come back? I've gotten more questions about the second coming of Jesus in the last three years than probably the previous 20 years of ministry combined. They're like, hey, do you see 2020? 2021, 2022, 2023. Think Jesus is about to come back? Think Jesus is about to come back? Hey, what chapter of Revelation are we living today? Think Jesus is about to come back? Listen, I don't know. But one thing I do know, he is coming back. And today is a heck of a lot closer than yesterday was. Are you ready? I love what one evangelist said. He said, the angel Gabriel is going to toot and we're going to scoot. That's cool. I like it. <laughs> See, the second coming of Jesus doesn't have to be something that weirds us out. The second coming of Jesus should be fuel for missions and evangelism. He is coming back, so everything we do must be with urgency because he could come back at any moment. He could come back before I finish this sermon. He could come back any moment. Are you ready? And if the answer is no, now's the time to get ready.
if you go, I'm ready, but there's people in my life who aren't, then we must go and be the church and tell them about Jesus. Because listen, friends, when Jesus comes back again, it looks very different than his first coming. Did you realize in the scriptures there's actually more prophecies about the second coming of Jesus than there are the first coming of Jesus? And when it describes his second coming, listen, friends, it looks very different than his first coming. In fact, I wrote down some of the differences. Listen, according to the Bible, the first time Jesus came, a few wise men bow before him. But when Jesus comes again, every knee will bow before him. The first time Jesus came, a few people in a town called Bethlehem knew about it. When Jesus comes again, every tribe, tongue, and nation will know about it. The first time Jesus came, he came to pay for sin. When Jesus comes again, he's coming to do away with sin. The first time Jesus came, he came and got a beating. When Jesus comes again, he's coming to give a beating. How many of you are ready for the day that Jesus throws Satan and all the demons into hell for all eternity? Are you ready for that day? Yeah, read Revelation 20. I love what Billy Graham said. He goes, I've read the end of the book. It works out good for us. Listen, here's some good doctrine and theology this morning, friends. Listen, Jesus and Satan are not equals playing chess against one another. Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. And even Satan will bow at the feet of King Jesus before Jesus throws him into hell for all eternity. In that same vein, the first time Jesus came, he came to make peace between God and mankind. When Jesus comes again, he's coming to make war against all of those that oppose God. Now here's the similarity. The first time Jesus came, he came because he loves us. When Jesus comes again, he's coming because... He loves us. Now is the time. Now is the time for the gospel. Now is the time to be the church. And now is the time to go. That's a reason to get out of bed every morning. And because we are the church, we won't look back, let up, slow down, back away or be still. If we've been bought by the blood of Jesus and we have the Holy Spirit of God, we are the church. And as the church, our past is redeemed. Our present has purpose. Our future is secure. As the church, our face is set, our feet move fast, our goal is heaven, our road is narrow, our way is rough, our companions are few, but our God named Jesus is reliable and our mission to know him and to make him known is clear. As the church, we cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. As the church, it's time for us to stand up and be the church. Would you agree with that? It's time for us to stand up, wake up, pray up, preach up, lift up, and never give up, let up, shut up, or back up until our Jesus Christ calls us up. That's what we get to do. And now is the time. But listen, friends, those promises are only for those that know Jesus. If you're here today and you go, Shane, I don't know Jesus. Maybe you go, this is the first time I've ever heard this. But today I want to know Jesus. Now's your time. Maybe you go, Shane, I've heard this a thousand times, but today it just hit differently. And I want to know Jesus. Now's your time. Maybe you're here today and you go, Shane, I don't know if for sure that I know Jesus, but I don't want to leave here today without knowing Jesus. Today is your day. Now is your time. I'm going to ask everyone in the room with me and at our campuses and online, if you would just bow your head and close your eyes with me. And if you go, today's the day that I need to repent of my sin and place my faith in Jesus. Today's the day that I want to receive eternal life. Today's the day that I need to become the church. Today's the day that I want forgiveness and a brand new start. Then I just want you to believe the Bible. 
Romans 10, 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we're just going to trust the Bible. Now I'm going to help you. Now listen, there's no magic in a prayer. You could pray every day and not know Jesus. What matters is that you believe it with your heart right now. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, by faith, would you open your heart and your life to Jesus? And then we're going to confess with our mouth because that's what the Bible tells us to. Now you can either confess quietly or out loud. But I'm going to help you. You can confess with me. Now listen, friends, you're not confessing to me. I'm a nobody. You're just confessing with me to the risen Lord. But I want to help you. So if that's you today, you go, Shane, really, I can't share the gospel with anybody else because I don't know Jesus. Listen, friends, you can't give away someone you don't have yourself. So maybe the first person in your life right now that needs the good news of Jesus is you. And I just want to help you. So if that's you, would you just confess this with me by faith? You can just confess this with me. Just say, God, say that with me. Just say, God, I admit I'm a sinner. But today, I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe he is alive. I repent of my sin. God, would you come live inside of me? Forgive me of sin. Change me from the inside out. I want to know you. I want to worship you. I want to follow you. Thank you for saving me. Listen, friends, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you just confess with me and you truly meant it, I want to say welcome to the family of God. The Bible says in Luke 15 that angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner repents. And I believe in the room of me and at our campuses online that maybe multiple sinners repented. So I believe there's a party going on in heaven right now because of what's taking place here at Pevon Baptist Church. And listen, you don't take this journey alone. We want to be able to pray with you and help you. So in just a moment, I'm going to continue a prayer and say amen. The moment I say amen, immediately, if you're in the room with me or one of our campuses, I want you to just stand up. And I want you to tell the person next to you, excuse me, and I want you to come stand next to our next steps. And all you guys say is, I confess with Shane. They'll know what you're talking about. Maybe you're here today and you go, Shane, I, I know without a doubt I'm a follower of Jesus, but... I've gotten away from Jesus, and today I need to come home. Listen, come tell the people at the next steps. They just want to help you and encourage you. Maybe you go, I've been visiting this church for a long time, and as being the church, I need to be a part of a local church. So I need to come and be a part of this local church. So why don't you just come forward? Listen, nothing to be embarrassed about. This is why we're here this morning. Maybe you just need prayer. We're here to pray with you. Other than that, maybe today, if you're physically able in just a moment, when I say amen, as others are coming, would you just come and find a place at the stage up here and just begin to pray and pray for revival in our nation and, and pray for your family and pray for revival in your life. Pray that God would move and that we'd be the church. What if Jesus came back now and when he came back, he found his church praying? That'd be a great thing. So I'm going to pray, and the moment I say amen, if you confess with me, come tell somebody. 
If you need to come back to the Lord, come tell somebody. If you need to join the church, come tell somebody. If you go, Shane, I need to be baptized. I've never been baptized, and I want to talk to somebody. You come. If you want to come and pray, do that. Listen, I know this is just wood and carpet, but when it's covered with the tears of the saints, it becomes an altar unto God. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. Jesus, we thank you for your life, death, burial, resurrection. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you open our eyes to a need of a Savior and you empower us to be the church. God, for those that need to come this morning making a decision, God, would you give them the faith and obedience to do that? God, others of us, would we be on our knees praying unto you? And God, would you move in this nation? God, would you spark a revival right here that would maybe spread across this city and across this state and across this nation and nations for your name, fame, your glory, because you deserve that. We pray this in the name above every name. Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the church of God said, amen, would you stand and come and be faithful and obedient to what the Lord's called you to this morning. Thank you, Shane, for that great message and that challenge to understand that now's the time for the gospel. Now's the time to be the church. And now is the time for us to go. As believers, as followers of Christ, there's nothing that we could do that's more important than sharing the good news of the gospel with others. And, um, and, and what a challenge that is to us this morning. Maybe you have watched this morning and you have understood the gospel for the very first time. You understand that you're a sinner and there's nothing you can do to fix your problem with sin. Your sin has separated you from God and uh, there's nothing you can do to fix that. You believe that Jesus died on the cross and in His death, His burial, and His resurrection, He bridged the gap between God and man, making a way for us to have a relationship with Him while we're here on earth and in eternity in heaven. And right now, you need to confess Him as your personal Lord and Savior. If that's you, simply tell God this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried, and that He rose again on the third day. Lord, right now I ask You through the power of Your Holy Spirit to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to You in Jesus' name. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time and you meant it with all of your heart, I want to say welcome to the family. We want to we help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. We've got some great resources we want to put in your hands. And so uh, if you'll just click on the link that says, I commit my life to Christ, we're going to get those things out in the mail to you. And, um, and boy, we just want to celebrate you and help you as you begin your relationship with Jesus. Hey, today has been awesome. Such a great day worshiping the Lord. And um, I look forward to these times each week with you. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>